DJ Sandu, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing lovely. How about yourself? I'm doing well. How you liking Wichita so far? It's growing. Uh, when I first came here, I hated it, and I'd never wanted to come back. But uh, this is the first comedy club outside of Sacramento that took a chance on me and gave me an opportunity. Oh, really? Uh, and I love coming back now because I love seeing what this place has turned into and what it's developing into. And yeah, uh, I can't wait to see what it's going to be in a few years. Yeah, it, re- it really feels like they have a five-year plan that they're working on, and they are like fucking busy as bees building this shit up. Yeah, it's I mean, especially like where the comedy club is. When, the first time I pulled up, I was like, God, I can't believe I'm here. This is a this is a horrible mistake. <laughs> uh, it was it was scary. Like yeah, that street that it was on was legitimately scary when I first got here. Right, uh, and now it's completely different. I mean, there's. Like, there's even white people there. It's weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. They got a chocolate store and everything. It's bizarre. It's nuts, man. Like, that place has changed tremendously. Like, it's weird that, like, right on the corner, there's a tire shop that sells pizza for $5 a large. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this isn't... Why Why are we here? Yeah. What's yeah. going on? But, I mean, the uh, last time I was here, I got a banh mi sandwich at the brewery. And it was, like, the best bomb sandwich I've ever had. And, like, who would have thought that, like, the best Vietnamese food you're going to get is at a brewery in Wichita, Kansas? Yeah, who would have thought? What, what is it? A bomb sandwich? Bon mi? It's like bon a, mi? It's like a Vietnamese pork sandwich with, like, uh, cucumber and carrot and, uh, oh, what is really it, good. basil, I think, or something? I don't remember. You said uh, it's Vietnamese? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I've never even heard of it. So it shows you how much I know my own city. They got the best sandwich, and I didn't even know. They're dude, they're amazing. It's <laughs> weird because like, people always talk about like, because uh, like, proximity has nothing to do with quality, right? Because uh, I, I lived in L.A. for a couple years, and like everybody in L.A. and San Diego or whatever, they're always like, "Well, uh, I I live in Tucson, so uh, <laughs> I get I know good Mexican food. We right, have the right. best Mexican <laughs> food." But I'm like, "Shut the fuck up!" Like the best Mexican food I've ever had was in Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh, really? There's almost no Mexicans there. And the worst Mexican food I've ever had in my life is, this is going to blow your fucking mind, Mexico. What? Yes. <laughs> like, just because you're close to where people are doesn't mean that the food's going to be better. Like, it's also yeah. where they get the laziest. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, so so was your expectation higher than what the, the, the food delivered on, being in Mexico? You're like, this has got to be flawless Mexican food. And no, it was just like... I don't know people people really confuse proximity as quality mm-hmm. and it's it's bullshit so I'm, like it's like if I went to again if I went to Appleton and we went to go get Thai food or something like that, I'm like well I'm in California and California's closer to Thailand so we have good <laughs> Thai, like shut the fuck up yeah that's fucking like that, that's why I hate like everybody from New York. Yeah. I hate everybody in New York because they're all like <laughs> our pizza's good and everybody else's pizza's bad. I'm like, shut the fuck. You put water with flour and you made dough. Right. You yeah. threw some shit in an oven. And they're but on a molecular level, our water quality's but shut. No, it's not. Your tongue is so developed. Right. That your palate can tell the difference between cooked water from New York. <laughs> And cooked water from Denver? Right. No. Your pizza's dog shit. It's uh, terrible. It's really it's, not good, huh? And, what, and what everyone's like, well, you can get... I, I mean, you're probably not going to the right place. I'm like, no, but you just made a blanket statement that our pizza's better. Undeniably better than right. everywhere else. Yeah. And I've had New York-style pizza in New York 
that was absolutely horrendous, yeah. and I got diarrhea for two days later. <laughs> and they're like, well, you didn't go to the right one. I'm like, oh, see, so there's a caveat. Oh, so right. you have to... So you can't make a sweeping generalization like so this. So what you're saying is proximity has nothing to do with quality. Right, Because exactly. I've had horrible New York pizza in New York. Yeah. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> I hate that. Like, it's it, yeah. people are so dumb, and they really get caught up in like, oh, well, this is from, like, because the air in San Francisco, the moisture in the air quality is what really makes the sourdough. Like, no, no, right. it doesn't. I like when somebody asks you, you know, if you like a certain food. You like sauerkraut? No, I don't like sauerkraut. Well, you haven't tried mine. Motherfucker, what did I say? Yeah. I don't like it. I this specific of, thing. I have a bit about that with uh, with seafood people because, like, every time you tell somebody, like, oh, man, no, I don't do seafood. They're, at first, they're like, are you allergic? And then they start going down the menu. Well, have you tried... Have you tried this? How about halibut? If it's correctly, it tastes just like chicken. It's like, well, then why don't you order chicken? <laughs> if you want something that tastes like chicken, just order chicken. I would never eat chicken that tastes like beef or right. something's wrong. Yeah, let's cut out the middleman. Because it's like I've never been on a date with some girl and been like, what? You don't do anal? What's the problem? Are you allergic? <laughs> yeah. Like, have you tried a pinky? How about a thumb? If you use a remote control, it feels like chicken. It's like, this is how you sound, you rapist. And, it's like, and, and I know that seafood's bad. And seafood eaters know that seafood is bad. Because it's the only food group that anybody uses in a negative way to describe itself. Right? The way, have you, you should try this. Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry. It's not fishy. Oh, right. So it's like you're giving me fish that isn't fishy. And you're using fishy in a negative connotation, recognizing that the standard for this sucks. Right. Because no one's ever used the word fishy in a positive light. That's, that's a fact, dude. So the standard for this food group is garbage, and you use it in a in a in, in a negative description. <laughs> yeah. So you recognize that this shit sucks. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're trying to find the one exception that doesn't suck. Like I think that that's why we evolved. Yeah. I think that like our first ancestor that left the ocean was just like staring up at a mango tree and was like, God, the food here fucking sucks. Right. Ugh, the <laughs> seafood is horrible. I'm just going to grow legs and climb that fucking tree. <laughs> That's why we crawled out of the ocean and get away yeah, from the food. <laughs> to get away from the bad cuisine. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious, dude. That's a valid point. Yeah, my, my wife is from South Carolina. And she's all about seafood. Seafood boils. She loves it all. So I'm going to have to play this for her so she can snap back to reality. Yeah, so she can understand that everything she loves is a fucking lie. <laughs> it's a fraud. It's horrible, man. <laughs> How long have you been doing stand-up? Uh, 11 years. 11 years. That's about the sweet spot, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this is where uh, it goes in waves. Yeah. It's it's fun at first, and then it starts to suck. And then a couple years later, it gets fun again when you kind of... Because like, it's, uh, uh, it's not a steady progressive line. Mm -hmm. it's, not like, it's not like X equals Y, and it's not a one-to-one -one growth ratio at all. It's like yeah. you plateau for a while, and you stagnate for a while, and then overnight, you just jump. Yeah. And it's more like stairs than a than a slope, but like okay. those stairs are not the same. They're not the same height, and they're not the same length ever. Right, right. Uh, so right now I'm at this next step where, uh, 
Like I'm getting bumped up to headline at every club that I'm working at, nice. except for the A rooms because my name doesn't mean shit. Okay. And I'm not delusional about that. Like I know I don't have followers, and that's fine. Uh, but that's why I'm not hitting up the improv. Like, hey, you should be headlining me. Right, right, right. When I go to improv, like I'm asking for a middle spot. Okay. Because uh, I know that they have Eliza Schlesinger and fucking like Dave Chappelle and Anthony Jeselnik and Brett Ernst and yeah. Godfrey. Like they have big names that are coming through. I'm not a big name. Yeah. Uh, and I recognize that. But every big name loves working with me and is terrified to go up after me. Right, right, right. Like, I have their respect. And that's where they were one day. Yeah, yeah. Like, they used to be exactly where I am currently. They, uh, uh, the clubs that they were working at were having trouble finding somebody that can follow them. But they also couldn't give them their own weekend because their name wasn't drawing any any tickets. Right, right. So right now I'm, I'm at places like Wichita where nobody coming to the club is coming for me. Okay. They're going to that club because the booker puts on a good product every week and this town has come to trust whatever product this club is going to put in front of them. Right, yeah. So these people are fans of the club. They are not fans of me. Right. Yeah, Looney Bin is a solid club. They, they run a solid business down there. Yeah, and all, all four of their rooms, like, it's the same business model for all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, is They're not booking names. They're booking people who are on their way to becoming a name. And they've just implanted themselves in the community so firmly over the last, I don't even know how many years. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't, actually, I never really looked up how long they've been around. But ever since they've been around, they've been putting on a good product. And now their community just knows that it's going to be good. Right, right. They don't know who it's going to be. They just know that whoever it is is going to be worth their time and worth their money. Right. Yeah, I've been in Wichita for roughly 10 years now. And I think the Looney Bin has existed in some form or fashion for at least the past decade, I think. I could be wrong about I, that. But. I know that they've been around for like... 20 years or something. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. I, I could see that definitely being a thing. And they, they definitely have kind of cornered the market on the, on, was it, they got Oklahoma, Arkansas. We got uh, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Little Rock, and uh, Wichita. Okay. Yeah. So 11 years. I, yeah. I, I hear right around the 10 year mark is kind of like the, the sweet spot where people start considering maybe doing specials and stuff like that. Has, has something like that been on your radar as of yet? Or are you just like working the rooms? Yeah. I, well, I want to burn, I want to burn the hour that I'm doing currently, but the only reason why I can't is because, uh, or, or the reason why I can't move on from it is because I haven't recorded it and put it out yet. Cause the jokes are still good. Right. Uh, the material is good, but I want to record it and get rid of it and start over. Cause then like, it's like Linus in his blue blanket. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't, I can't move forward because I'm still attached to this material. Exactly. Yeah. But I also can't drop it. Like it's a weird, it's a weird place to be. Yeah. Uh, and so if I record it and I, and, and it goes into distribution, now there's no more floaties. Like now I'm I'm in the deep end, and I better fucking figure it out, and yeah. then I better develop a new hour so that I can continue having this job. Yeah, yeah. I could only imagine. I've never done stand up or anything like that, but I could only imagine when you write jokes, it comes from a a, a personal space. You know, certain belief systems or things that you find humorous, obviously. Um, so yeah, b- burning off jokes and stuff like that or routines. I, I could only imagine would be getting like getting rid of a family pet or something of the sort. <clears throat> yeah, kind of. Uh, 
and it's I mean like as arrogant as it sounds like the the, the world deserves the jokes that I've already created definitely yeah so if I if I move on from that and I start developing other stuff from here yeah uh, and it's not it's not that I it, it's more of a uh, an issue that I can't do it because these haven't been distributed yet I'm it, it, it's a laziness thing and it's like uh, uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm reliant on them now oh gotcha uh, that's my comfort zone yeah yeah uh, and so I stick with that okay and then I'll throw in new stuff every now and again and I'll cycle out a few jokes here and there but like there's a few jokes that th- those are my core like Jesus is white like that's a core joke. That shit is funny too. That's like my, that's what I'm building up to for the first like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Is trying to first prove to you that I know how to tell a joke so I can earn the trust to say something very outlandish. Yeah. And you guys know that this is gonna go somewhere. It just isn't there yet. Right. And it's very uncomfortable. And by God, this better pay off. Right. Yeah. And then when it does pay off, they're like, oh, thank goodness, because that was super uncomfortable. Right, right, right. And it, it's a matter of working working the, the audience's emotion against them, themselves where they think that they can predict what you're getting ready to say next, and then you kind of just drop a normal, yeah, normal uh, bomb on them. And, and I, don't, I don't know if I've like developed this style. I haven't seen anybody else do it, but uh, it's, it's more of what I'm not saying. Yeah, that's getting the reaction. Right, right. Like most definitely, I I was just like talking in that with... joke room, like he's Jewish, which is which is why he's so good at saving. It's right. Like, <laughs> I haven't said anything directly. Right. It's your racist brain is connecting the dots exactly between the two, and and you're the one making the racist statement in your own head. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like what? Did you watch Harold Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay? Yes. Yes. It's exactly what they do over and over and over again in that movie. Yeah. Is they make you racist. Exactly, yeah. The movie's not racist. The scene is not racist. The characters are not racist. Like, the the, the, the scene where they're uh, going through, I think it's Jackson, Mississippi or something like that. And there's, like, a bunch of black dudes playing basketball. And it's dark and fucking... Uh, they're, they're, they don't want to go through the street and interrupt the game. Right. And uh, he's like, you're just scared because they're black. And he's like, I'm not scared because they're black. I'm scared because they're scary. <laughs> and like, as a viewer, you're like, yeah, those are scary dudes, man. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was like Debo from uh, Friday that was in. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. Oh, okay. Uh, and then like they, they reverse. They hit a fire hydrant. And then the water starts coming down. And then it gets on his J's. And then they like get up and like they start walking towards him. And somebody grabs like a tire iron. And then somebody grabs like a jack and they're like, go, go, go. And they like run off. Yeah. And then it turns out that these dudes were just going to help them change their tire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it looked like they were grabbing weapons. And now you're sitting there. And then when the the news is interviewing them, he's like, yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a dentist and blah, blah, blah. blah." (laughs) And it's like, fuck man, my racist brain made these black people scary. Right. Right. And then later on when they're running through the woods and they're like looking at the deer and then the deer gets shot. And then John Reap comes down. He's like, "Oh boys, I didn't even see you guys." But <laughs> and then they're like, "Why don't you come on over to my house?" You, well, I don't like the government either, and blah blah blah. blah. And like, 
He's just this huge redneck. And it's like, yo, Indian guy, Asian guy, do not go to this redneck's house. Right. And then they walk into his house, and it's just, it looks like an Ikea showroom. Yeah, yeah. And his wife is like, babe, can you call the, the Wi-Fi is just a little spotty today. And we got the best package, but I was trying to get this package on Amazon, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, shit. My racist brain made these backwoods white people just fucking garbage white trash whatever yeah yeah that was me that did that yeah uh and they do it very beautifully in that movie over and over and over again yeah uh and so that's what that's what i do in my stand-up right it's i don't say anything directly horrible right right yeah i yeah i noticed that because you you kind of create the the scenescape this mental scenescape of having this certain implication of a set and setting and then you allow the audience to kind of jump to a conclusion, and then you switch it up last second and make you know played them against themselves. Yeah, and that was by design. Very much so. Uh, but if you're gonna do, if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do something bold, there needs to be a payoff, mm-hmm. right? Like this, like I watch, uh, uh, like I watch horror films a lot, and somebody was asking me about Blair Witch Project. I was like, not enough of a payoff. Not enough of a reward for how good of a job they did building suspense. Yeah. And they spent a long time building that set. And that's a very, very long setup. Yes. For not good enough of a punchline. Right, right. So if I'm going to go two, three minutes explaining something and having zero laughter, zero reaction, this better lead to an applause break. Like right. This better be almost a standing ovation. Because what you're doing is you're building tension. Okay. And it's like I'm... Like I'm creating a pimple, and once that, like once that pimple gets to it to a head, it becomes very uncomfortable, and now it's painful. Mm-hmm. So when I pop it, it better have released all that tension, yeah. and that that better feel good. It better bring relief and joy. Yeah. That now it's like now it was worth that pain because this pleasure is here. Right. Yeah, beautifully said. But if it doesn't if it does if I don't if I don't drain all the pus out that pimple, right. if I leave a little bit in there, you're going to be like, "Fucking, we went on such a long journey." Yeah, yeah. And that was not worth it. Right. So, being um in stand up for the past 11 years or so and kind of seeing the the genesis of things like TikTok and stuff like that, have you seen comedy kind of shift to where it's quicker um, quicker to get to the punchline, kind of set up punchline, set up punchline, or can you take those longer routes to get to those? those uh, jokes? Uh, yes and no. Uh, TikTok and Instagram and like just social media in general mm-hmm. is the best and worst thing to ever happen to stand up comedy. Because uh, on one hand, it's brought us people like Tom Segura, yeah, who was a great comic for a very, very long time and Burt Kreischer for yeah. a very long time. Uh, and until Tom's podcast popped off, mm-hmm. he was still a nobody. He right. was he was where I am. He yeah. was doing smaller clubs and every comedian respected him, but the general public had no idea who he was. Yeah. And social media changed that uh, dramatically. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have the Hodge twins. Oh, yeah. Who have never been known for their stand-up. Right. And became super famous off of social media. And now they've decided that they are also comedians. Yeah. 
and they're fucking not. <laughs> they're not at all. Right. Yeah. You can't say and and this is what sucks about like and even with Joe Rogan. I'm not a Joe Rogan fan. I don't think that he's a good stand up comedian. I don't think he's horrible. I don't think he's like garbage. Right. Right. But I don't think that he's good enough for us to consider him one of the greatest of all time. Okay. And everybody's always like, but his podcast is so good. Okay, fine. But you're confusing the two yeah. because they're so closely related mm-hmm. that you've you've deemed them equal. Right. And right. they're not. Yeah, you can't blend those two They're not at all the same. Right. Uh, if you're good at your podcast, you're good at your podcast. It doesn't mean that you're good at stand-up. Right. Uh, and, and the Hodge twins, are they're good at what they do. Yeah, they're clips on, on the but internet. But they're not good at what I do. Right. I'm good at what I do. I suck at what they do. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not good at what they do. Right. So they have like this arrogance about them of uh, like your, your ego builds itself to this point of like, well, I'm so good at this and people that do this also do this. So I can just go to the top of the totem pole because I'm doing something that's closely related. Right, right. Uh, and it's, it's not. And everybody who's like, yo, well, Joe Rog- Rogan's podcast is great. Like, all right, fine. He's a great podcaster. Yeah. But if we applied that same logic to everything else, yeah. there's no way you would walk into an operation room and be like, this guy has a low success rate on heart surgery, but his <laughs> podcast is fucking great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's it's retarded, man. Like, yeah. It, it's it's a matter like I love what I love that what's happening what's already happened to stand up comedy is now happening to boxing because it's starting to go into oh. other things yeah good connection uh, where you're allowed to do this now because you're famous for something else right right like Stormy yes. Daniels everybody talks shit about her but she at least she was taking Wednesdays and Tuesdays at comedy clubs oh, okay. And she wasn't marketing it as stand-up comedy. Right. It was like funny stories with Stormy Daniels. And she would have like an actual comic open up for her. And she had like no ego about it. It was more question and answer and like free form. She didn't even try to... She didn't take a single weekend from a single comic at a single comedy club. Right, right. She was doing one-nighters here and there. She did it very respectfully. Yeah. Uh, She never once claimed that she is a stand-up comic. Yeah, when you get like bigger names like that, you get some people that that kind of show up with their ego and start bumping, you know, um, other comedians. I, I don't yeah. want to say like lesser than comedians or anything like that, but um, like other comedians that may not have the same name, but they built their name using a different type of platform. Right. Like so, so somebody she, like she a Rogan did it correct, but like what's happening now is like the, these celebrities that are doing stand up, they're they're getting people like me to open for them. Oh, gotcha. Because okay. like these guys, they don't know any comedians. Yeah. So the club just has somebody fill in. And that is a nightmare scenario. Right. You do not want me opening it up for somebody who's got to fill 45 to an hour. Right, right. And has only been doing this for less than a year. Yeah. And even at that, they've been doing it maybe, maybe once a week. That, that actually makes a lot of sense because when I was um, watching your video clips and stuff like that, and you don't have to talk about it if you want to. I just saw a clip that you posted uh, talking about Jess Hilarious. And um, it, it kind of makes sense now that you see these people kind of gaining you know fame and popularity using a different type of platform and trying to blend over into comedy routines and stuff like that. And it may not be landing because their ego is helping them write these jokes and their followers are supporting them saying, these are solid jokes and they're, they're just... And Maybe they're not. not. Yeah. They're horrible. Uh, she's one of the worst comics out. Uh, <laughs> she's in every... 
every like, there's not a single big name comic that co-signs for her. Okay. Which is, I mean, sometimes that's a good thing. Right. Sometimes that means that you're doing something so brand new that like not everybody gets it right now. Like Mitch Hedberg did not have yeah comedy fans right until all of a sudden comedians were like, oh shit, this is actually probably the best stuff out. Uh, yeah. She's not doing that though We can all see that <laughs> Okay She's not reinventing She's not creating a new style Right She's doing an old style badly Okay She's doing the 80s shit Where she's uh, She's trying to do shock Which I also do shock I do a lot of shock style comedy I do abortion jokes I do religion jokes Yeah I do black jokes I do gay jokes Like I do shock Yeah But I do shock well And I do it with care And you can tell That there's no hate in my heart Right right She is just up there Like calling people faggot Calling people retard Like over and over and over again Getting cancelled Yeah Because she didn't She didn't grow up In stand up She grew up in Social media Right, right. So it's like I've been going to the gym every fucking day. Yeah. And so I know how to do deadlifts without throwing my back out. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you're just not in there trying to. And now to... she's just coming in trying to lift 300. Right. Yeah. With no previous training whatsoever, just winging it. And she doesn't know the form. Yeah. Doing deadlift and stilettos. So she doesn't know the form. So she's fucking up over and over and over again. Yeah. And then she's trying to come at people like me. Right. And. Like when that happened, Sinbad called me, Godfrey called me, Roy Wood Jr. called me, like big name comics. Yeah. And and that's across a few generations of comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hit me up and were like, dude, what? That was the most amazing response I've ever seen. Fuck that chick. Right, right. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a fucking problem that no comedians are coming to your aid. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's coming at me like, hey, man, you should back up off her. Sinbad was on a show on Fox with her. They were on a sitcom together at that time. Oh, okay. And he called me. He was like, I'm on your side. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. My it's... show's about to get canceled. We're about to get canned right now. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I'm like, enough. dude, this is fucking... like So, getting back to it, that, that's just drama. I'm sorry. That's, that, that's, that's personal. Uh, but... The no. culture is what's happening now is uh, 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 the problem with letting people do anything they want just because they're famous. Yes, it's, it's dangerous. Like, oh, let's let's watch let's watch this guy do stand up because I saw him on the or he was Screech. Right. Let's go watch, and it's just a novelty thing. Like I get to watch this guy. I get to see this guy that I watched on this show as a kid. Right. Right. Now we're letting Aaron Carter box. <laughs> And what's in Logan Paul? Yeah, Logan like, Paul and Jake these, Paul. These people who are just famous. Yeah. We're allowing them to do something else at its highest level. They're mm-hmm. they're jumping in at its highest level. Yeah. They just started training four months ago. Yeah. The day that they tweeted something against a famous boxer. Mm-hmm. That's the day that they started training. And now they have their fight. And, of course, Mayweather wins. Right, right. Because Mayweather isn't taking fights against people that could beat him. Right, exactly. He's taking fights against YouTube stars. Yeah. Because all he's done. He won. Right. He's won. Yeah. 
He yeah. figured it out. He beat boxing. He's just gonna no. He he beat capitalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now sure. he's made a mockery of his own profession. Yeah, it it is. And hard it's to only watch. a matter of time until you walk into an OR, and then the fucking the guy that's about to cut you open pulls down his face mask and he's like, "It's okay. I used to be in the Backstreet Boys." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it is it is dangerous. People kind of blending different platforms, especially as famous as these social media stars are getting and then trying to wander into other avenues of popularity. It, it is, it is a dangerous thing. It's well, I mean, it's, and this is, this is how dangerous it is. We have, we elected a famous person to president. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is a thing. That no, happens. that's fucking. And I don't care about anybody's politics on this issue. Like, you, you shouldn't be running for president because you're famous. Right. The guy has zero... He has no understanding of how government works. Right, right, right. He's been sued his entire life for breaking deals and making bad business decisions. Yeah. Yeah. People forget about his casinos. This guy ruined Atlantic City. Yeah. Like, he's... He's... Uh, 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 fuck, what was it? On, on the roast... The Comedy Central roast of Donald Trump. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Anthony Jeselnik says, uh, uh, "Donald, you've been such a good sport, uh, willing to make a fool of yourself tonight and in the casino business." <laughs> like the guy was—it's—it's it's insane. Yeah, that this guy won. Right, right. That's yeah. fucking ridiculous. And then in in the Ukraine, a comedian. Ran for office as a joke, uh-huh. and now he's the president of Ukraine. How insane! We should not be, we should not be celebrating this. Right. The whole concept of like anybody can become president—that's what makes America beautiful. No, that's what makes America fragile as fuck. Yeah, yeah. The, these are the people that are in charge of nuclear codes and arming m- militaries. Yeah, we should probably relax. A and little he's bit. getting in Twitter <laughs> wars with Megan the Stallion. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it sounds like it sounds like a stand-up bit in itself. That's oh, it, nowadays you could read the news and it sounds like stand-up bits. It's that and that. So uh, uh, I think it was uh, House of Cards or so, I don't remember what it was. It was like it was a a very big political like a a White House based TV show. Okay, uh, they called it quits because they said nothing that we create is more absurd than what's really happening now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why the show was good, was because it was, wouldn't it be wild if this is what happened in the White House? Yeah. And then wilder shit was happening in the White House, and we couldn't keep up anymore, and our writing staff isn't creative enough to beat out what's really happening. Yeah, they can't make original jokes. It's actual shit that's happening. Yeah. uh, There was this comedian, I don't remember who it was or what city he's from, uh, I wish I can quote him and give him credit for this joke, but uh, he said, this has been the best reality show in the history of America. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, the Kardashians <laughs> have been the number one rated reality show for 20 years. Good God, man. And they had to call it quits because they can't keep up with the Trump ratings. Right. And I was like, that's... A brilliant stance. Yeah, yeah. 
that's but that's insane. the thing is that we can't let celebrities like we got to start forcing celebrities to stay in their fucking lane yeah yeah for sure like whatever you're good at be good at that that's yeah. awesome but I can promise you this if Aaron Carter's music career was still at all intact yeah he wouldn't be boxing right <laughs> exactly yeah he wouldn't be he it's, has an it's only washed up too. it's washed up people yeah that are doing this. Yeah. It's not anybody like fucking, you don't see anybody who's like at the top of their, of their game branching out and doing shit like that. LeBron James is in boxing. Right. Exactly. He's acting. Yeah. Which makes total sense. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. Anybody can go into acting. Right. I'm right. Fine with that. If LeBron James tomorrow started a stand up comedy tour, and he marketed himself as the headliner. Yeah. It'd be problematic. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. That would be like me tomorrow. Like say if or that would be like if Joe Rogan tomorrow or Dave Chappelle tomorrow got drafted in or got got uh uh, uh signed to be on the Olympic team. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. LeBron James would be like, "Shut the fuck up. You're yeah. on my No. Yeah, get the fuck up. You're out in here. the All-Star game? Yeah, but he's a good podcaster. But his Joe podcast Rogan. is great. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, stay in your lane. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's offensive. It's absolutely offensive. And like anybody who has a normal job like doesn't understand how offensive that is. Yeah. But think about it this way. If you're an accountant and you're going for a, for a, a promotion and then they gave that promotion to fucking Aaron Carter. Yeah. Who has zero accounting ability or background. Yeah. And the whole reason is, well, he was in the Backstreet Boys. Exactly. Yeah. You would be appalled. Yeah. You would be appalled. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the reason why your family's not going to eat. Is because they gave the job to somebody famous instead of somebody who deserves it. Right. Aaron fucking we And we used to be a merit bait. We used to be a meritocracy. Yeah. And we're not anymore. No. No. Not at all. So, as far as... um, how long have you been traveling as a comedian? Uh, probably like six, seven years. Six, seven years. Something wow. like that. In how many how many days of the week are you actually performing? Usually four. Four days a week. Yeah, it'll usually be like Thursday to Sunday. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're just going from city to city, flying in, flying out. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just uh, head back home for a couple days and sit around and then uh, fly back out <laughs> yeah so as far as your style of joke writing are you pen to paper you laptop I've never been that guy I wish I was yeah. uh, if I knew how to sit down and write a joke I'd be way further in my career okay so you, <coughs> bless you you're just thinking about things and and just forming it in your head yeah, like like I was saying before we started, like I just kind of exist in silence. Like I don't listen to podcasts. I don't uh, like I stop listening to music. I don't really watch. Like I don't download shows onto my phone so I can watch it on the plane or anything. Like I commute in silence. Oh wow! Uh, and that's my time to either like just kind of think things out and because now like this next four hours nobody has access to me. Right. So. I have nothing to do now. Now I can actually map things out in my brain and like, what have I forgotten to do? What am I supposed to be following up with? And now I can go through my notes and be like, oh yeah, I got to follow up with that guy. I got to send an email to this club. Like, oh shit, I forgot about the show that I was working on. I need to write that. And like, 
So I'll, I'll strategize uh, or when I'm in my car, like I, I can't be looking at my phone anyway. So I might as well just sit here in traffic and think about a bit yeah, and dwell on it. But like I've never been able to sit there and be like, what are they going to think is funny? Really? So I'll, I'll come up with like a premise and then I'll go on stage. And once I start talking about it, now it's sink or swim. It's like now I've obligated myself. Yeah. And now I owe them a punchline. So I better find a fucking punchline soon. So do, do you go up on stage and just start in on a story and just like, let me find the funny in this as I go. Just just to work a bit out. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. That's uh, ballsy, dude. And then if it doesn't work out, it'll it'll find it it'll find itself somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I think that like uh, I think that premises and punchlines uh, need chemistry and compatibility okay uh it can't be an arranged marriage you can't force them together yeah and i feel like that's how uh uh sitting down and writing is it is like i've come up with this bit or i've come up with this punchline. uh how do i how do i find something funny in this premise or how do i find a good way to present this punchline? right and reverse engineer it uh, and I think that that's forcing them to be together. Okay. Whereas if you just do it in nature, uh, they find each other and they really hit it off. Right. And now they're dynamic and they're explosive and they're a force that cannot be fucked with. Uh, nobody's going to be able to take them down. Yeah. Like the next new hot star that comes in isn't going to be able to make me turn my head. Yeah. Uh, so I don't like, I think that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a dance between the two. Mm-hmm. And if it happens organically, they're doing the same dance. But if you force them together, like one of them sea walking while the other one's doing the Macarena. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I think it was Chappelle that was talking about doing like the fishbowl type of thing where he'll put like a, a punchline in a fishbowl and then pull it out and he'll write a joke to make that punchline work for something. So yeah, I, I've never done anything like that. Really? It, have you seen, have you spoken with other comedians talking about how they come up with you know, their material and joke writing and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, for the most part, like most people have the same style. Right. Uh, but like the people that I, I've, I've come to find out that the people who I'm the most in love with and yeah. aren't the most in love with me, uh-huh. uh, turns out that we have a similar approach. Right. Right. Uh, cause like Brett Ernst doesn't, he doesn't write anything. Okay. He goes up, he talks, he talks, he finds, and he'll figure it out. Uh, but he doesn't write anything down. Godfrey doesn't write things down. Oh wow! Uh, like there's a, the people that I, the people who respect me the most, and the people who I respect the most, uh, come to find out we write the same way. Yeah. Uh, and that makes sense. It's organic. It's like I was just saying, like the premise and punchline have to find each other. Yeah. Me and Brett found each other. Me and Godfrey found each other. We got along, and then we found out that we write the same way. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm like, oh, so there's a reason why our comedy goes so well together. And there's a reason why we enjoy being at a bar together so much. Like there's a reason why we're such good friends now. Yeah. There's that thing. It turns out we do our job in the exact same way. Right, right, right. So 
comic or comedy in itself it, it seems like it's a super respectful kind of profession everybody respects one another and everybody kind of clicks up you you find other people that you kind of associate with your comedy you know blends with my comedy and stuff like that do do you see that a lot a lot of respectful kind of clicking of things or do people kind of push against each other and try to bump each other off of off of acts and stuff yes i see it a lot but I also recognize how phony it is. I see a lot of people giving other... I see a lot of comics giving other comics respect that I know they don't actually respect them. Okay. Uh, because you're not allowed to talk shit about this person. Uh, right? Like, I'm not allowed to talk shit about Joe Rogan. Right, right. It's, it's, yeah. If I was at the comedy store, they would have bumped me immediately. Oh, okay. There's no way. You're not allowed to openly say that Joe Rogan is not very good at stand-up comedy. So there, there's a clique of untouchables. Yeah. Essentially. And they're all in his clique. Right, okay. Uh, Tom Segura's wife, Christina P., is a terrible comedian. Okay. She is bad. I've never listened to she her. She is very bad. Okay. And I am open about this right and we all have to pretend like she's good because Joe Rogan said she is okay and because Tom Segura says she is and so because this group says they are and of course of course I want to open for Tom Segura yeah yeah that's not going to happen if he finds out that I've been talking shit about his wife right exactly right of course I want to open for Joe Rogan yeah, but that's not going to happen if he finds out that I've been saying he's not that good of a stand-up comedian. Yeah, if you're if you're vocal about these opinions, yeah, so, some so, ego comes into play. Yeah, like I mean, even when uh, with with rape allegations, uh, I was so I dated somebody who dated Chris D'Elia. Okay, so way before these these weird things started coming out about him, I was on this comedy store patio and I was like, oh yeah, so this girl I was dating, dating him, she said blah, 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 blah. And somebody walked by and tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, yo, you might want to save that talk for somewhere else, man. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? So we're not allowed to be honest here at all. Right. So the honesty needs to be saved for the stage. Okay. So we have to, we're expected to be, to be out there on stage. Yeah. And this is the last this is the last vestige of free speech. And every comic just goes overboard about how fucking true of an artist they are. And we can say whatever we want and blah, 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 blah. Right. And they just shine off their dicks all day long <laughs> right, yeah. talking about how amazing of an artist they are and how mm-hmm. it's our responsibility to exercise free speech as to the, the greatest degree that we can. And, and society like I'm really doing this for you. Yeah. I'm such a fucking martyr. Like comics are such goddamn martyrs. It's it's disgusting. Yeah, you see that a lot. And then we get off stage and I'm not allowed to talk about how that person's not good at this job. Right, right. Or rape allegations. Or that, rape allegations. That seems super fucking serious yeah. to me. Uh it's all you got to you got to hush everything up and all of a sudden freedom of speech goes out the fucking window as yeah. soon as the microphone's not in your hand. Ooh, that's so scary. That's scary, especially when you have a clique of untouchables that are kind of sweeping these things under the rug. Because yeah. you, you see that a lot. I mean, it's nationwide, and every every form or fashion, every profession kind of has the the hierarchy of if somebody in that hierarchy does something wrong, you sweep it under the rug, and everybody underneath them just you shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, yeah, stay in your lane type of situation. Yeah, it's disgusting. Wow. Uh, and so, I, I'm not. Uh, I don't have very high hopes for myself becoming a household name. Gotcha. Uh, because I'm like I openly talk about how Tony Hinchcliffe is not a good stand-up comedian. Tony. He's got a great podcast. 
Oh, that, he does Kill Tony and yeah. stuff like that. Okay. Kill Tony is a great, great show. Yeah, yeah. But his own fans are not fans of his stand-up. They okay. love his podcast. But then when he goes on the road, he sells like 30% of the seats. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like, dude, I'm I'm doing thirty percent of the seats. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the only time I've I've seen any of his stuff was when he got in trouble recently when he was making the the Chinese jokes, where he had the Chinese guy that was on before yeah. him and he came. I mean, up joke is putting it loosely. Right. <laughs> uh, there was no attempt at a punchline. That was just rage, anger, and, and 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 racial slurs. That was it. There was no punchline. Yeah. Yeah. It it seemed like that to me, but you know, like I said, I you know, I'm not. I'm not real big into the the stand up world and stuff like that. So when I saw it, I was like, I was like, that could really go one way or the other. You know, that could be super offensive, or it, it could be a joke between friends. I don't really know. So then when I hear you know Rogan talking about it on his podcast, I was like, oh, it was all in good fun. But maybe not. No, it wasn't because the guy that he said it about is the one that posted the video. Oh wow. Okay. So it wasn't in good fun. Right. Uh, or, I mean, maybe there's a deeper story. I don't know. Right. Because uh, I, I stopped following it. Yeah. Uh, but when I see somebody go up and the words filthy fucking chink. Yeah. There's no punchline there. Yeah. yeah. There's no. And if there is, I don't see it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty good at seeing punchlines. Right. Right. But maybe this is so high brow that it's over my head. Yeah. Maybe I'm just too dumb to see how brilliant this well thought out bit is. Yeah, I, and I think that's what I was hoping for myself. I was hoping that there was no, a deeper story that I wasn't picking up on. But maybe there is. I, I stopped following it. Yeah. Uh, but his friends, the people that are friends with, like Jeremiah Watkins and Brian Redman, and like, yeah, they are they're good comedians. Yeah. I I'm fans of them. Right. And so I'm glad that Tony's Tony's podcast does so well because it gives them it gives them credit for how good they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's always got a good guest on it. Right. But, I mean, come on. We all have to pretend like he's he's good at this. I got, like, I really, I have to swallow my pride and just shut the fuck up and be like, this guy's really good at my job. He's better than I am. Right, Look, right. No. Fuck no. He's not. And it's all stemming from connections with friendships and stuff like that. These people that kind of come up together and now you got a couple of big dogs that, you know, um, the, the Chappelle's of the world, the Rogan's of the world and all these people. And so people that they may have come up with, they, you know, they kind of protect each other. It's kind of the, this, um, this click that is kind of untouchable. You can't get in the circle. Yeah. Well, anymore. I mean, in, in everyone's defense, that's human nature. Yeah. That's, I mean, if I look at how many serial killers, like on the day of the the electric chair, their mother was like, "I think you guys have the wrong guy." Right, exactly. Right, like you stand by your people. Yeah, uh, that's that's what we do. We're 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 communal creatures. We're we're pack animals. Yeah, that's what we do. Right, uh, we help each other cover up murders. Like that's this is what we do. Yeah, uh, we've created morality against that. Yeah, like. A moral person would snitch out their rapist friend. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. But that's a tough call, man. That's a that's a that's a that's a tall ask. Yeah. Of course, we all say that that's what we would do. Yeah. Because that's the good and right thing to do. But then, when you're actually in that situation, how do you really know until you're in that situation? Yeah. Because yeah. if this is like, how close is this friend to you? Absolutely. Is this my brother? I don't know, man. If if my brother caught a a charge 
I'm probably going to stick in his corner. You're you're definitely going to side on on because um, it's always going to be the uh, well. It couldn't. He he doesn't have it in him. He's such a sweet guy. Like that's a, every Forensic Files episode starts off with. He was so charming. He was so sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. never saw it coming. Right. Right. So it's like you're gonna uh, you're naturally going to focus in on the 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 good qualities. And you're going to back him up. You're going to be like, well, there's no way that he's this monster that everybody's portraying him to be. Yeah. They just don't see the, the goodness that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. You're just searching for confirmation bias at that point. So I get it. I yeah. get I understand why they're standing by such terrible comedians. Yeah. Because they're friends with them. Because right. they've spent so many nights on the patio at the comedy store just bullshitting and, and hanging out. Yeah. So I get it. You've built this bond. And that bond cannot be broken. Yeah. And I can only imagine once you reach a certain level of success, people are going to come out the fucking woodwork saying this, that, and the third about you. Oh, you inappropriately touched me or something like that. It's like, I thought we were going in for a hug anyways. Like, you could blur some lines in there, but allegations are something that need to be taken serious, especially when we're talking, you know, rape allegations and stuff yeah. like that. Maybe take a step back and, you know, maybe focus on some, some evidence. Yeah, Whitney Cummins immediately tweeted... Hey, if I knew that this was the kind of monster he was, I would never... She's like, I'm not standing by him. Oh, wow. And she created him. Yeah. Like, she literally created Chris Dewey. And she's like, yeah, I'm not standing by him. If he's guilty, he's guilty. And I'm not going to be there for him. Yeah, and he went all the way up to doing a music video for Eminem. I mean, he's he's kind of... He, he's gotten up there in a lot of ways. Yeah, me and my wife were just talking about this earlier today, actually. There was this um, mass shooting here in Wichita um, Monday night going into Tuesday morning. Um, some guy got kicked out of a club and decided to just shoot through the windows, killed a guy, injured like seven other people and all that. And they still haven't found him. He's still somewhere. And we were talking about this kind of protecting your loved ones. I told my wife, I said, I guarantee he's just in his sister's basement right now. Yeah. And she's not going to say shit. Yeah. E- even though it'd be the right thing to do to say, hey, this is a guy that murdered an innocent man. Because love blinds you and it clouds your judgment. Yeah. Uh, and so these people, like... Like Joe Rogan loves these people so much that it has blinded him and he is incapable of seeing how bad they are at comedy. Gotcha. What about like, um, I did, one of my favorites right now, as far as podcast goes, I, I've never listened to his standup, but Tim Dillon. Not too familiar with Tim Dillon, actually. His podcast. But I've heard his podcast is great. Uh, he's just, just bashing people. He's so abrasive. He just goes on there and calls people Nazi pedophiles for yeah. an hour and a half, and then just calls it quits after that. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with him. We've never uh, we've never crossed paths, so like I'm not. Yeah, I was because I don't really I don't watch a whole lot of stand up. Like the, the oh really the big ones like I mean when Bill Burr comes out with something, of course I'm watching it. Eliza. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, Burr's a monster. Schumer, uh, I'm I'm gonna watch it though. Like she's. You know, like she's at the top. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, you do have to study what your what your peers are doing to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but like, I'm not like I'm not a fan of stand up comedy. Like, I don't. Oh wow, I don't That's really watch. I'm not addicted to. I'm not waiting for specials to come out. Like, but when people graduate to the next level, like Nate Bergazzi or something like that, it's like, all right, well now I got to watch this special. Yeah. Uh, he is now, he's now the hot name. Yeah. Uh, let's see what they're doing, and let's let's join this bandwagon. Right, right. Uh, 
but I don't I don't really watch the I just watch whoever I'm working with. Yeah. Like that's how I consume stand up comedy, which is like on a nightly basis. Yeah. It's just I'm not watching the Netflix specials and shit like that. Right, you're getting a very front row genuine experience. Yeah. So yeah. with people like Tim Dillon, like I'm I'm never gonna really be familiar with his work until he and I work together. Yeah. You know the the really interesting thing is um Theo Vaughn. I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with him, but um, Theo Vaughn just in conversation is one of the funniest people I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. But his stand-up, I don't know about his new stuff, but his um, his 2016 special, it's on he Netflix. Hated it. It, it's he not good. It. Yeah. And he I knows understand it's not good. He didn't, want it. he didn't want them to release it. Yeah. I, I could see that. It's something offended, offensive. I forget the name of it, but it's not good. And it's not good because he's not being himself. I think well, he was trying to play a character that wasn't of what It was he also, is. like, I think that it was, I think it was like election week or something like that. Uh, oh. There was some. There was something big that had happened. Yeah. Uh, or there was like a big tragedy that had just happened, or I don't remember what it was, but there was something bad that had just happened, and he was like, can we postpone this? And they're like, nope, fucking show must go on. Yeah. And so, like, it didn't get the reaction that it was supposed to get. I yeah. can't remember what happened. Yeah, I, I felt bad watching it because I I, I didn't but realize... But he's, he's a way better comedian than that special is. Yeah, I've never seen any of his his recent stuff. Just listening to him in conversation, the shit that he comes up with off the top of his head, I'm like, what the fuck is happening in his, his yeah. mind, you know? But I, I, I heard he just, you know, recorded a new hour special and stuff like that. I'm really I'm really anxious to hear that. But yeah, the two, 2016 one, is it was upsetting. I, I watched 10 minutes of it. I was like, this isn't him. And I think he knows it wasn't him in the moment. Yeah, he because uh, uh, I work with him in uh, in Indianapolis, uh, and like I, I sat through and watched his entire set, and it was it was undeniably funny. Yeah, he seems like it a was killer, objectively dude. good. Yeah, uh, it wasn't because I mean I wasn't I wasn't even a fan of his or anything. Like I'd seen him around at the comedy store and stuff like that, and like it's not like this like was some dude that I've been like watching for years or anything like that. Right. Like I had the opportunity to open for him and then I sat and watched and I was like, no, this is actually good. And the hater in me is, I'm always going to be like, all right, we got 2 million followers. Let's see what the fuck makes you deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, then I watched enough. him. I'm like, oh no, he deserves it. Yeah. He yeah. deserves his following. This is good. This is funny. This yeah. is enjoyable. Yeah. And I, I do like how open he is about, um, you know him being sober and his uh, mental health issues. I, I do like that about him. And he did one of his most recent podcasts. I think it was um, like two two weeks ago, maybe. He just did like a whole hour of just how he was feeling mentally and just kind of put it out there. And I think he's helping a lot of people through just being upfront about things that he's dealing oh, that's with. Great. Yeah, in his mental space because not a lot of people are talking about that these days. Yeah, that's uh, my my closer now is uh, about my suicidal depression. Oh. Uh, and where I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna drop the veil. There's no easy way to put. There's no light way to put it. This is what I have. This is why I do stand up. Yeah, is because I was diagnosed with this at an early age, uh, and then I talk about an attempt. Uh, and again, this is this is what going back to what I was saying earlier. If you're gonna create this much tension, you better have a good payoff. Right. Right. Like nobody came here to listen to you talk about killing yourself. Right. They came here to not think about killing themselves. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah. So if you're gonna be talking about this shit, 
you better have a good payoff. And I do. Because at the end of it, like, because I say, like, I, I was about to do it, and then uh, uh, I saw a commercial for uh, the final season of Game of Thrones. And I was like, well, I got to watch that. <laughs> right. And then I just started laughing at myself. And I'm like, dude, if you can put it off, if you can put off killing yourself for that much longer, yeah, then every day you feel like doing it, just do it tomorrow instead. Right, yeah. And then just, I mean, you're good at procrastinating and everything else, just keep procrastinating on this. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, the McRib is getting ready to come back. Like, let me hold off until the McRib. Yeah, like, the if you need to find a reason to stick around. <laughs> yeah. But if it's just, like, what I'll do now is, like, when I'm in that mood, I'll just be like, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. And then when I wake up tomorrow, I still feel like doing it. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. And I just keep putting it off one more day. And then that feeling goes away. Right, right. Uh, and then I'm like, all right, cool. Now I don't have to put it off. Yeah. Uh, and then, like I say, like, uh, uh, so like that, that day, like the next day I wake up and I quit my job. Like I put in my two week notice. I was like, I'm going to dedicate my life to making people feel good and happy. Uh, because I understand what it feels like to not feel good and not feel happy. And then I saw the final season of Game of Thrones. I was like, man, I should have fucking killed myself. <laughs> was it that bad? And then there's the there's the payoff. Right, yeah. Where it was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. So it was like really uncomfortable for a while. Yeah. And then it became inspirational. And then it went back to being funny. Right, right. And they're like, ah, ha, 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 thank God. Yeah, yeah. Because this shit was fucking scary for a couple minutes. Right, yeah. And this was so fun for 45 minutes. Yeah. And now you just made it uncomfortable. Yeah, you, you, you kind of have a different, uh, a bunch of different loose ends of emotions that you kind of tie up at the, at, at the end to, you know, it's set up, set up, set up, and then you just drop the final punchline and it makes all those emotions just kind of tie yeah. up and, and make it all make sense. There's actually a part that I need to add into it about, so if I've, if anything I've said tonight has upset you in any way, just understand that was not the goal. Yeah. That's not what I'm trying. I'm not up here trying to upset people. If it happened, I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. I lose sleep at night when I get a when I see that I've upset somebody on stage. Right. Like yeah. that's this isn't my goal. Right. Exactly. I'm trying to make you happy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that'll make the comment cards come back a little less angry. Right. Uh, at least like I'll be like yo, if you didn't like me, just just crumple the comment card up, please. Right. Yeah. 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 Like constructive. Criticism. I'm not your <laughs> cup of tea. Just don't come back when I'm here. Right, yeah, exactly. But don't throw out comedy in but its entirety. I'm someone else's cup of tea. Exactly, yeah. So don't rob them of pleasure because I didn't bring you pleasure. Right, right. Just come next week when there's a comedian that you'll actually like. Yeah. But yeah. this shit is this is a very subjective game. Yeah. What's funny to me is not funny to you. Yeah. For some reason, a lot of people think that Christina P. is funny. Okay, yeah. Yeah, could you... I don't. I can't see it. Right. And I, I think knowing knowing the person that you're going to see kind of, you know, plays a big part. Could you imagine Anthony Justinette going to a room where they don't know what he's about to say? Oh, yeah. That would be that would be disturbing for them. Yeah, absolutely. What, what I love about comedy is uh, I can go to an open mic and I can tell you who has come out with a special recently based off of who is now at this open mic. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Every fucking time. Wow. Every time. And I'm never wrong. Yeah. Because when I see a bunch of, a bunch of like young white dudes 
that are going up and doing like rape jokes or like pedophile jokes or something. I'm like, oh, Anthony Jeselnik must have released a special reason because here's a whole new wave of of shock jock comics yeah. that are going up and trying it out, and it's not fucking working. Right. Yeah. Is is there anybody? As good as Jesselneck in that lane? Uh, here's the thing. He's, he's on the last special, he rested upon his laurels. Uh, it wasn't ready. Mm. And it wasn't as good as Anthony Jesselneck, as what I've come to expect from Anthony Jesselneck. Right, right. Uh, it and he says it because part of part of what makes him funny is like how arrogant he is. Yeah. But in that special, he did the deconstruction thing on like every joke. He's like that joke had everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Here's why that joke's good. Right. Here's what makes me so brilliant. Yeah. Every bit he did that on. Whereas he used to do that, like sporadically, like just a little bit, and it was a good tool that he used. And nobody else was doing that. Yeah, and it was it was fucking amazing. Right. And now he he overused it, which to me means that he didn't have enough material to cover the time. Right. No. That and that makes sense. And and with me having no background in in stand up, I, I I saw that and I took notice of it. And I I thought to myself that should be a tool rather than a rule to each joke if you if you want to use it a couple times and use it maybe a rule of three type of thing and or maybe a callback situation that would make sense but it also bothered me when uh kevin hart's one of his specials he was doing like the thing where he would have the fire behind him and he would a big punchline you're like now bring the fire and then like fire would shoot up i'm like yeah it got old already yeah you, know, you did it twice already and it got old but he kept doing it i'm like you got to stop doing this yeah like, we get I it you have pyrotechnics yeah I, I, kevin hart's the one comic that i like when he comes out, I don't even i I tapped out on him a very long time ago. I think he's a very funny human. Yeah, for sure. I think he's undeniably one of the funniest humans who's ever existed. Yeah, I don't think that he's a good stand-up comic. Oh, okay. But as what about a earlier character, stuff? As a character, he's fucking amazing. Now, mm-hmm. even his earlier stuff, I've never thought that his stand-up comedy was good. Really? But when he was like, uh, uh, was it on Scary Movie? Uh, or it was like the haunted house where like you remember like him and uh, Anthony Anderson did the Brokeback Mountain scene. Oh yes, 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 yes. Like this is way before he was like Kevin Hart. Yeah, I'm just reaching for some nuts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh and then like forty year old version and stuff like that. Like yes, this is, yeah, yeah. Nobody knew who he was at that time, and I was right. like, this guy's fucking hilarious. Yeah, but his stand up wasn't okay. But he was always a, he was a scene stealer. Like in uh, yeah. every every film or every every show that he was on, like he fucking immediately yeah. became the funniest part of that scene, and nobody knew who the fuck he was. Right. Yeah. And so when he, for him to become what he is now, it's like yeah, yeah that's completely deserving. But again, stand up. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Like you're really good at at being the bitch. In every fucking film that you play. Yeah, yeah. It does it well. It does it very well. Yeah. You're, you're good at being the punchline. Yep. Uh, but the stand-up's not great. Right. And you, I, I love it's how because he, he doesn't write it. Oh, okay. Well, they, so, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to perform something that you didn't create it's with not passion. You. Yeah. Do, uh, you, do you see that a lot with, with comics? 
other people writing material or not tremendously. There's a few, but there's it's not it's not as common as it used to be. Okay. Like they used to be the standard. Yeah. Uh, but now it's it's like uh, uh, a lot of people will get picked up to go on the road with someone. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, well, it's because you're my buddy, mm-hmm. and I'm popping now, so I'm. Of course, going to stay loyal to you, and I'm going to make sure that you pay your bills. Right, right. Uh, but also, you understand, like, we can write together. I can give you notes on your set, and you're not going to get upset with me and be like, oh, this guy thinks he's a better writer than I am. Yeah, yeah. It's, I am taking you so that you'll help me write my next my next uh, special. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... I'm not letting you write an entire joke from me front to back. Right, right. Like, I'm going to go up and try this, and then I'm going to need your feedback on how I can make that better. Yeah, yeah. What about um, what about joke biting and stuff like that? Do you see a lot of um, theft in, in comedy clubs and stuff? Not in comedy clubs, uh, but, like, I mean, open mics for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, also, there's a lot of parallel thought. Uh, there's dudes that I had just met that were doing a joke of mine almost verbatim. Oh, wow. And I had never heard of them and I never, uh, and I know for a fact that I didn't steal it from them. Yeah. But I also never recorded it and put it on YouTube. So it's like, there's no way they saw me do it. Right. Unless they just, unless they were secretly in the audience in Chicago one time or, they were secretly in the audience in Seattle one time, but there's no fucking way that this guy just has my joke. Right, right. So what what happens when something like that happens? You kind of have a sit down and be like, hey, so who's going to use this just, from now on? Yeah, just as a, as a gentleman, I'll be like, hey, this is my version of that joke. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, that is creepily similar. I'll be like, yeah, just want to let you know. I got the same thing. Uh, if we're ever on a show together, we'll just decide who's going to do that joke. Uh, and if somebody accuses you of taking my joke, just let them know that we've talked and uh, and that we've seen each other's joke. Right, but yeah. I know I didn't steal it from you, and I know you didn't steal it from me. Right, yeah. Yeah, because I, I... so now, like, and, and it happens. People will be like, hey, man, this other guy has that joke. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, man, you can call Sydney right now, man. Uh, we already talked about it. Uh, mine's just different enough. Oh, nice. And, uh... We've come to an understanding. We we know. Yeah, yeah. You changed just enough on the patent to make it a new patent. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Where, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, there's uh, especially when you're when you're doing like current events type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only so many directions that you can take this situation. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you'll watch like on late night TV, like Fallon and Kimmel and Myers might have the exact same Donald Trump joke. Yeah, because yeah. this shit just happened, and how many other ways can we do this? Right. But they all record at the exact same time. Yeah. So once it airs, like their writers aren't talking to each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So once it airs, it airs, and now it just turns out that fucking they had the same joke. Yeah, it seems a lot like um, inventions of products and services or something like that. It seems like there's a finite amount of things that could be invented. It seems like the same thing with joke writing. Seems like there's there's a finite amount of things that you can make jokes about until something new happens or something yeah. new is created. Well, and that's why people go to situational instead. Yeah. Uh, because and like Chris Rock was talking uh, talking about this a few years ago about how 
there's there's no there's nobody alive that is uh, like a classic comic. Like a he's like there's no Carlins anymore. Right. Everybody is now situational. Yeah. Uh, there's nobody that's timeless. And I see what he's saying. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, it's uh, uh, how many how many more takes can we have on religion? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, well, Carlin got in when this form was invented. Yeah. So, yeah, he's the first one to do the religion thing. Mm-hmm. And he did it a lot. Yeah. For like 30, 40, like 50 years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like 50 years that he did stand up or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was doing a bizarre amount of material. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> like, I watched him practicing. It was the year that he died. He's like, uh, he's like, sorry if I go back to my notes. Uh, I'm trying to figure out uh, the the material for, I'm getting close to recording my 13th HBO special. Good Lord. <laughs> like, that's 13 hours. Yeah. And that's just HBO. Yeah. That's just HBO. Yeah. He's done other... So he was doing things way before HBO even was invented. Exactly. So you watched him live then? Yeah. No shit. So it's like how how many more... So like in that era, the 80s... The 80s is known for like all these game changers and all the... But it's also when stand-up became like an industry. Yeah. Like it's really like... It's when it was birthed. Right. Okay. Like so... You have like these these Kaufmans and fucking uh, Priors and uh, like Joan Rivers and yeah. fucking like all these completely different types of people that are the first. Like Stephen Wright's the first, and Sam Kinison's the first, and like you know all these first. Yeah, they all invented these new styles. How many more styles can really be invented? Right, right. And at the same time, it's not like Chris Rock has invented a style. Okay. He's rose to the top at the style that has already been happening for a while. Yeah, yeah. So there was mainstream. A style, it was a style that was presented yeah. to him, and he used it and and kind of. So know, it's situational. It's like so that's why people will go back to like talking about their childhood, because mm-hmm. the chances of you having the exact same experience and the exact and processing it the same way that I processed it, yeah, are very slim. Right. Like. We, like like the, the, the premise could be church, so we all know what it's like going to church. Yeah. But this is what it was like for me getting ready to go to church. Or this was the car ride for me. at church, Or this is what we did after church. Or So it wasn't just, oh, this is how weird church is. Yeah. Because that has been done to death. Right, right, yeah. And there's not a whole lot of new angles on that. Yeah, I think that's interesting because like what you were saying with Carlin and his um, you know, religious jokes and stuff like that, it's interesting to me because your take on religious jokes are hilarious. I don't think people are gonna take the side that you do take in the in the jokes that you're telling. And like what we were saying earlier, um it, it, it was it's kind of the absence of the joke is what's making the joke. Right. Yeah, and I I think when you come on stage and you start talking from the angle that you do talk about religion, I think that catches a lot of people off guard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was all by design. I'm sure. Definitely. Also. Well, cause also like, um, I mean, uh, it's, it's it, because as a Brown guy for me going up, because the, the, the argument is always like Jesus was black. Yeah. But like probably wasn't, 
He was probably he probably looked more like me. Yeah. Uh, look at the area he was in. Exactly. Probably looked more like me. Yeah. Uh, and nobody ever brings that up. Yeah. So for me to go up without a dog in the fight, when this is always this argument between black and white. Yeah. To me, for me to go up and be like, ah, he was white and take that stance. Everybody's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you on that team? Yeah. Yeah. But then the way that you justify it in the, in the jokes after that. Yeah. But then like, it's all just like fucking goofy logic the mm-hmm. entire way through. And they're like, oh, okay, he wasn't serious. Thank goodness. Yeah. 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 That, that was so funny to me watching those clips. It was hilarious. Who were your, um, who, who were the comics that you looked up to coming up? Nobody. Oh really? Uh, I don't how how many influences. Uh, like I've never modeled myself after someone. I've never like seen somebody be like, "Oh, I want to do that." Uh, I I don't know. I I didn't watch comedy before I started it. Uh, like I wasn't really. This wasn't really something I was into. Wow. Uh, I was into music, and I was gonna be a rock star. Yeah. Like I knew it. I was gonna be a rock star. Right. Fuck no. That did not work at all. Couldn't find people I wanted to jam with. Like, mm-hmm. everybody either didn't take it serious enough or they took it way too serious out the gate where they're like, all right, let's all quit our jobs and we're going to get a van. And I'm like, we have two songs, guys. Yeah, like, yeah, let's calm down a little bit. <laughs> chill. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. they're like, we just never practice and they just want to say they're in a band. Yeah. Uh, and so finally I was like, well, I guess I can like do stand-up by myself. Yeah. But the only reason why that even happened was uh, we were – in Santa Cruz the, and my brother had like this culture show and they hired this Indian comedian to to perform they paid him $3,000 they paid for his flight they paid for his hotel his food everything they like he didn't spend a penny yeah and then went home with $3,000 and he bombed oh shit miserably yeah but they still had to pay him and so we were out uh, at a bonfire and we're passing the, the guitar around. I got like a mohawk and fucking white contacts and like nine piercings in my face and shit. Right. And uh, like I was I was a scene kid, super hardcore. We're passing the guitar around and uh, uh, somebody goes, uh, why don't you start stand up? Everything you've said is funnier than this guy, like right in front of him. Yeah. Uh, and then he started treating me like shit. And so just to spite him, I tried stand-up and I was like yeah it was good enough to do it again yeah uh and that was good enough for me to actually tell people next time right right because I wasn't gonna go up tell everybody and then eat a dick yeah and now never live that down yeah uh so I was like yeah this was good uh I'll invite people from now on uh and then just started bumping up really really quick wow I mean I was like six months in when I got my first host weekend yeah and then uh it was four years in when i got my first feature weekend and uh like seven years in when i got my first headline weekend no shit wow that's it seems rapid yeah it's 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 quicker than most yeah yeah Uh, that's what it seems like it's definitely quicker than most but that's that doesn't mean that doesn't mean i'm better than most at all, because I mean, I could I could flatten out at any time. Right, right. Uh, that doesn't mean I have longevity. Uh, I just I solve the mystery with time on the clock. Right. Yeah. Like I got out of the escape room without having to be let out, and like, so yeah, like I I I figured out the the formula quick, uh, and I figured out how to get on stage 
like before other people did, and I passed up people that helped me when I started. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I'm better. Yeah. Uh, it just means I'm at the time that I started, I had a very good work ethic and, uh, uh, and I was more clever than the people around me. Yeah. Yeah. You're willing to put in that, that grind time. And like, there's no distance that's too far for me. Like I'll, I'll go anywhere. Yeah. I don't think that I'm above any demographic. Like, I mean, I'll do, I was a month ago I was in Chicago and now today I'm in Wichita. Yeah. Like I don't have any like pride or ego about where I think I should be. And because of that, my comedy is better because I meet normal people. Right. Like these people in San Francisco that never leave San Francisco, their comedy becomes about San Francisco. That makes sense. Yeah. And that does pretty good in San Francisco. Yeah. But most of the people in Wichita haven't been to San Francisco. Right. Yeah. So if I go up there doing 45 minutes about San Francisco, you guys don't know what the Muni is. Right. Like, you don't know about this bagel shop. You don't know about, like, you don't, you don't know any of the things that I'm saying. Exactly. Exactly. So, and like the problem with LA is that uh, the longer you're in LA, the more your comedy becomes about comedy. Mm. Right, where it's like, uh, like everybody in LA does a joke about like going on an audition and how weird it was and blah blah blah, and it works in LA because everyone in LA either goes on auditions or they know somebody directly who goes on auditions. Yeah, so they can conceptualize this, uh, this joke pretty easily. Right. But who the fuck in Wichita is going on auditions? Yeah, there's not a fucking person. You don't know anybody here that's going on auditions. So (laughs) when I'm going, if I go up, start doing all these, so now my jokes have. My comedy has started becoming about the industry yeah. instead of about life. Right. And my comedy specifically is about life, which is why it works here. Yeah. But if I just stayed in L.A., like it would, it would slowly start becoming about the industry instead. And now I wouldn't be able to connect with people in Wichita. Right, right, yeah. You, you definitely paint yourself into a corner in that way. Yeah, which as much as, as, much as everybody talks shit about places like Wichita... And places that are just not San Francisco and New York. Yeah. Like, you need middle America to support you to have a career. Right, yeah. Yeah, it always irritates me when people call us the flyover states. So, like, why <laughs> why look down upon them? Right, yeah. You know, like, there's, it's not, it, it's not, it doesn't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, looking down on people doesn't help you. And it also doesn't hurt them as much as you think it hurts them. Right, yeah. Like, no one's really, nobody in Wichita's really offended that I'm talking shit about Wichita. No, no. Like, they don't have this, this, like, that Southern pride. as Texas is the only place that has immense pride. Right, yeah, yeah. Everybody else is just like, that. I mean, yeah, if you want to talk shit about Chattanooga, we get it. Yeah, yeah. If you talk shit about Wichita, it's like, I'll also talk shit about Wichita. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I didn't invent Wichita. I don't yeah. care. I chose to live here, and I understand the follies of Wichita. Yeah. It's like, I get it. I just, <laughs> like, I don't understand what you're, like, why do you think you're, you didn't build San Francisco. Right. So why are you on a high horse? Yeah. You just moved in because you didn't have a personality. So you figured going somewhere where people do have personality you can just attach into their universal consciousness and now suddenly you're also interesting. But you're fucking not. Right, yeah. Like, just because the Grateful Dead started there doesn't mean that (laughs) you are anything like them. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, you're not associated to those those people. And that's how like like a lot of lost souls end up in New York because they don't want to figure out who they are. Like yeah. they don't want to have to do the work to become themselves. Yeah. So they just go to New York where other people will just make them themselves. Yeah, and it's a much busier place too, to where they don't have to dwell on who they are as a person. They don't have yeah. to they don't have There's to no find quiet themselves. time. Yeah. You don't have to find yourself if, if the world's constantly moving around you. Exactly. You, you can just you, jump on board. You're with never that. stuck with the, the uncomfortable moment of self reflection. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think it's super important with like what you were saying, just having that time with yourself on a plane or something, having four hours to just kind of sit there and talk with yourself. Yeah. Uh, that's super important. I, I do that leaving work all the time. I'll pull into my driveway and I don't remember the drive home. I never turn on the radio or anything like that. I'm like, I've just been thinking for the past half hour. Like, you hardly get those times because we live in a society where it's, it's boom, boom, so boom, plugged boom. in. Yeah. And especially, like, if you have an unlimited data package, like, everybody thinks that your free time is their free time. Absolutely. So now I have 24-hour access to you. Yeah. And there is no excuse for you to not communicate back with me. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. How dare you put yourself over me? And I'll straight up just not respond now. Yeah. And when people, if people get upset, I'm like, well, sorry, I checked it while I was driving or I checked it while I was doing something else. Or I was at a show. I didn't have the time to respond and then fucking forgot to reply. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a human being. I'm not a toy yeah, that you pick up and I'm, play with whenever you see fit. Like if it's important, I, I just won't read it and I'll leave it as a, a notification. Mm-hmm. So then I know tomorrow morning I need to I need to deal with this thing. But otherwise, like, hey, sorry. Or I'm out with friends right now. Yeah. yeah and if you present. send me a message like, hey, I was just thinking about you, blah, blah, blah. Like, hey, it's flattering. Yeah. But I'm physically with people who are thinking about me as well. Right. And I can't spend the rest of this day just texting somebody I'd rather be with. Right. Yeah. You know, like that's how it comes across. Like when you're on your phone the entire time. It's like, dog, like, we can't just fucking be at this concert? Yeah, exactly. What the fuck? Are you, like, we're at a playoff game right now. <laughs> yeah, be present in the moment. Why, why do you need reception? Right, exactly. Like, watch the game. Absolutely. I spent $200 on these tickets. Yeah. Like, fucking, you better watch this goddamn game. Yeah, yeah. So, where do you see... Do you have any interest in doing maybe movies and TV or like sketch comedy or anything like that in the future? Only only because I want to do stand up comedy and I recognize that if I don't if it's if I don't get something like as seen on, then uh, where I am currently is where I'm gonna cap out on my career and I'm I'm a I'm a creature of growth. Yeah. I can't stagnate. I have to I have to progress. Yeah. Uh so yes. I would like to do a sitcom uh, just because it will feed into my stand-up numbers. Yeah. Uh, and it'll, it'll solidify my, my future in this realm. Mm-hmm. But I don't like being on set. I it can see that. It yeah. is so fucking boring. Is it? <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Like, the few things that I have done, I don't like doing it. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. It's I mean it's it's work like you're you're there for the entire eight hours. Oh wow! And you're just sitting around waiting for them to shoot your scene, and you can't go anywhere. Like you don't know when it's gonna be. Like they can give you a time frame, like but you might be on the lot for two weeks before the director finally decides, like, oh, this is the one that we want him for. Yeah. 
What things have you been a part of as far as movies and TV goes? Uh, I've been in a few commercials. Oh, nice. uh, I've been on like laugh tracks on True TV. I've recorded. Uh, I've done a lot of things that have never distributed. Oh, okay. Like a lot of indie projects and shit like that. Yeah. But, uh, nothing. Nothing of note. Right. Uh, yeah. But I've 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 definitely been in it enough to know that that's not what I want to do. That's important. Yeah. That's I mean, at the same time, it's like you don't have to have years of experience to realize you don't like it. Right. Yeah. You know, like fucking, I can go fishing once and determine that this isn't something that I want to do again. Yeah, this isn't for me. I can go dancing once and determine this is not something I want to do again. Right. Yeah. Like, you don't have to have an incredible amount of experience in something to determine that it's not something that's for you. Yeah. And the whole reason why I don't have more experience in it is because I determined it's not something that I want to do. So I don't submit for auditions anymore. Right. Like, if something gets thrown my way, cool. Yeah. And that's how it usually goes for me, is somebody will tag me, like a, 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 like a producer will put up a Facebook post, like, looking for this. Yeah. And then somebody will be like, well, here's a beard. <laughs> and then... And that's all it is. Like I get, I get scouted for my beard, and that's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which you do have the sickest beard in the game. Um, so if you were to do a sitcom of some sort, would you want to be a writer on it, or like a sole writer? Uh. So I'm in the I'm I'm in the middle of selling a cartoon that I wrote during uh, the pandemic. I'm in the middle of uh, a few shows that uh, like I have one that I'm trying to get to Animal Planet. Uh, I have one that I'm trying to get to TLC. Uh, so for like the for any of the ones that are uh, non-scripted, reality based, uh, I'm pitching myself as the host. Right. Uh, for a few reasons. One, this is my project. I deserve some credit, uh, and that cred, I need that cred to feed into my stand-up. Yeah. So if it's as seen on uh, this reality show, people are like, "Oh, he's the host of that show that I really love." We should go. Right. Uh, uh, and I know that I'm going to host it well. Yeah. Like, I know I'm a dynamic enough of a personality. I'm an interesting look. Like, I can nail this job. So why should we even scout for it? Yeah. When we already have the perfect man for the job. Uh, and nobody believes in this vision more than I do. Right. So if we hire you to host it, now I'm going to have to really like try to communicate to you why this is important, how it makes me feel like I got to inspire you. Yeah. Cause you're really only doing this because you're looking for a job. Exactly. You don't really care about the mission. Yeah. There's going to be a certain amount of emotion that's just kind of lost in translation. Yeah. I give a fuck about this mission. I'm writing the show because I believe in the product. Right, and I gotta find a way to make you believe in the product as much as I do, and understand the end goal as well as I do, and understand how to get there as well as I do. Like you don't know the story arc as well as as like I mean I know my baby better than you do. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? If your baby's crying, you can tell if he needs to be changed or if he's hungry. Yeah, good point. I'm gonna go over and fucking plug and chug and fucking. I don't, do you need a pacifier? Do you need to be held? Do you yeah. like, what the fuck's your problem? And I'm going to go through nine different things before I'm finally like, oh, he shit himself. Right. right. But you can tell that you know what your baby wants. Yeah. This is my baby. I know it better than anybody else does. So I'm going to pitch myself as the host. Absolutely. On any show, any sitcom, uh, again, 
I'll I'll pitch myself as a character. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the star because I don't want to be on lot every fucking day. Yeah. I hate that life. Right. So I'll give myself a like a reoccurring like I'll be on like every other episode or something like that. Yeah. Or every three or four episodes, but I don't want to be a centerpiece. Of a sitcom at all. Yeah, you just want to jab and move. Just want to come in, do a couple of scenes, get the fuck out, <laughs> go about my life. Yeah. And, like, I want to be excited about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be like, ah, I'm fucking, I gotta be at the lot again. Like, ugh. Yeah, because as soon as it becomes a chore, it's not fun anymore. It's not. Uh, and so, I, on the cartoon, I insist that I am, because uh, I mean, I already wrote the first season. Oh wow! I have the story arc for the second season, uh, and so I insist that I am on the writing staff for the the other two seasons. Yeah, because I don't trust anybody else. Because did you watch Boondocks? Oh yeah, yeah. Boondocks was great until it all of a sudden wasn't. Yeah, and I was like, why the fuck did it just fall off so hard? And then I was working with John Witherspoon one time, oh, and wow. he starts talking about. Uh, uh, about how they took the project away from Aaron Magruder and they hired a new writing staff. Uh, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. There it is. Right. The father of this project got taken off the project and yeah. the project took a huge hit for it. Yeah, so when the stepdad came in, he had a whole different set of rules and yeah. regs. And I didn't recognize this, this, this product anymore. Right. And I didn't even know that that's what happened. I thought that Aaron Magruder fell off. Yeah. It's not what happened. They took it away from him. They gave it to somebody else. Wow. And I was like, oh, shit, man. I I saw that change. Yeah. I saw it immediately. Yeah. I bet millions of other people did, too. And, I mean, they, they probably knew what happened. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm an idiot and I don't keep up on, on show drama and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so I insist that I am at least part of the writing process. Right. So you can say, hey, that that's not what the mission is. Let's yeah. let's bring it back to center. Because also like the first production company that I signed with, uh, they were like, all right, so uh, if we can go into like uh, season seven, I was like, no, there is no season seven. There's no season 14. There's no season 20. Yeah. We're doing three seasons. We're getting in. We're getting out. We're putting a bow on it. We're wrapping this up and we are ending it on purpose. Yeah. We are not ending this because the ratings fell. Yeah. We're not ending this because we're getting canceled. Yeah. We are ending this with purpose and intent. We are telling this story with purpose and intent. Yeah. And there is no other way that I'm doing this. If you want to go seven seasons, I'm going with a different production company. Yeah. Yeah. They need like, to I'm walking show. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you want to leave the, the consumer wanting more. Yeah. You know, if you, if you let them decide that your show is done... I mean, for one, that's just shit. That's just a kick in the nuts, you know, just to have people say like, hey, we don't want you anymore. <laughs> yeah. We don't want you making this shit anymore. Can you please stop? Yeah, I'm not I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. Uh, I want this to be quick and impactful. Yeah. And memorable. Yeah. Like, I don't want, I don't want anybody thinking like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, once, once they started doing this on The Walking Dead, that's when they lost me. Right, right. Walking Dead should have wrapped up after season five. Okay. And yeah. it would have been good. Yeah. It would have been fantastic. It would have went down in history as one of the greatest shows ever. Yeah. Like, that's why 
Breaking Bad is considered one of the greatest shows ever. Yeah, five seasons and they split. Because they, they told a story and they ended the story. Yeah. And they ended it. We didn't end it. We didn't fall off. Right. And now you still have people talking about like, can you do a Breaking Bad movie? Can you do this? Yeah. Can, you, can we have a continuation? What happened to Walt? You know, you have all these things and then you have other shows like Supernatural has fucking 22 seasons or something. And each one has 18 episodes or an hour apiece. You can spend the rest of, you know, all of next year watching Supernatural and never even get to the end of it. Right. You know, and it, it, like at a certain point, you're like, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I can't, I mean, like a, it's a soap opera. Yeah. Uh, I don't like, I don't want, I don't want to just be trying to come up with material. Right. Just to, just for the sake of creating another episode. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I have this to say, and this is how I want to say it. Yeah. And then I want to not focus on it ever again. Mm -hmm. I want to move on and grow. I don't want to be stuck in this project. And I don't want you taking this project over and turning it into something that it shouldn't have been. And then people just have a bad taste in their mouth yeah. about the whole project in its entirety. Because like, like Family Guy used to be just about randomness and funniness and like just... Like, oh, th this is worse than the time that blah, blah, blah. And then it does a cutaway. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it became about the adventures of Stewie and Brian. Yeah. And this is what... And then it became kind of serial and it became about the characters. Right, right. And it was never... The characters never had anything yeah. before. Like, whatever happened in the first episode, completely insignificant. Right, right, right. Uh, whatever happened in the first act is completely insignificant. Right. Like, this was, uh, uh, this was a very ADD fucking random show. Yeah, it was and very, then it, very quick. And then it became a drama. It became an animated drama. Yeah. And now they've gone back to it being funny. Okay, was, yeah, I haven't seen it in a while because of what you were just saying. But yeah, they, they lost a lot of viewers because it was like, oh, Brian's dead. And fucking, like, it, it became... It became serial instead of episodic. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was a kid when Family Guy first came out. And when it first came out, it was just kind of... It was culture shifting because they were saying some off-the-wall shit. Yeah. And those cutaways and stuff like that were... I, I don't know if they were the first ones to do it, but it was fucking hilarious when they did it. You know, especially it being like an a, a adult-themed animated series. Right. And it was, it was like... It was culture shock, especially as a kid watching that. I'm like, oh, shit. And then it did get to a point where it was like, what are we even doing now? It's, it's gotten strange. So I just stopped watching it entire, entirely, but now it's kind of come full circle and back to where it was. Yeah, they've, they've gone back to their uh, their original mission of making it funny. Yeah. Uh, same with South Park. South Park used to just be random and funny. Yeah. And now they're just trying to make a point. Oh, right, right, right. Like every episode. Like they did a, that whole Memberberry season. Mm -hmm. Like they did a whole season that like each episode leaked into the next one. Yeah. And it was all making a huge point about the election and Donald Trump. And it was like, all right, cool. Yeah. That's, that's, it's dope. I like it, but like there's no punchlines anymore. Yeah. This is, this has gotten very serious. Yeah. And now you're just making a point, which is kind of what Dave Chappelle does is in his standup. Now right. it used to be funny, fast, witty punchline, punchline, punchline. And now it's just talking, 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 talking. I'm making a point. I'm making a point. I'm making a point. And then son says something kind of outlandish. And then he walks away, hits his knee with the microphone. Yeah, yeah. And and laughs, and then comes back. He's like, 
I don't care. That's funny to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost that's his, his. That's his style now. Where yeah. he used to be funny. Right. He it, didn't have to. Uh, he didn't have to physically cue you to laugh. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's almost as if a lot of these big players are just kind of you know, for lack of better terms, just kind of lifting up their dress, and you see their agenda. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it, and it, it's. Uh, I mean, it's just put a few more years between now and between. You're releasing the special now. Give it a couple more years and work on it a little bit more, mm-hmm. and make it actually special. Right. Yeah. Like make it good, make it funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't want my projects to go from funny to boring. Exactly. And then we have to revitalize it and make it funny again. Yeah. Like I just wanted it to be funny for how long we wanted it to be funny, and yeah. then just quit. Right. And be like, hey guys, it was nice working with you. Fucking bon voyage. I'm on to Good luck else. in everything you do. <laughs> Hopefully we work together again. But it will not be on this. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, DJ, let's wrap this bad boy up. Anything you want to talk about? Plug? Where are you going to be next? Um, I'm actually... Uh, I'm not going to be on the road very much. I uh, put my house on the market yesterday. So I haven't been taking work because I assume that I will be uh, summoned to sign things in the very near future. So nice. I didn't know when that was going to be. So I just wasn't taking work for the uh, for this month and next month. Uh, but I'm always posting random funny stuff on my Instagram and my Twitter and uh, wherever else. It's DJ Sandu two zero. Uh, that's DJ S A N D H U two zero. Oh yeah, that'll work, man. I appreciate you being here, bud. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. Have a good one, man.